Mr. Alice Graham, if that is your real name. <laughs> My nemesis. <laughs> I don't know how much Belle Delphine would pay for a pissy mattress, but it has nothing to do with me. And uh, yes, you're getting another mention because you are, in fact, my nemesis. Brad, we're just in an episode on trolling and you're feeding the trolls. You're I do not care. Number one. One fan. I, love I don't him. care he's if he's our, our top fan. All right. This cyberbullying has to stop. All right. I'm going to have to backtrace him soon. And I've, I've consequences had will never be the same. The consequences. Will never be the same. You done goofed, alright? <laughs> Anyong, and welcome to your favourite podcast, Brad is a Bad Person. My name is Morgan. I am the host and supreme leader of this podcast. I am joined, as always, by Lachlan. Hello. Who is the dear leader of this podcast, and mm. by Brad. Hello. The little rocket man. <laughs> today, we're getting, today we're going to compare North Korea and South Korea and see who comes out on top. Geographically, it's the North. How are we today, guys? I'm good. Ready to go nuclear on this workers' paradise? Um, uh, you know, I'm not starving and stuck in a shithole country, so I'm pretty good. Yeah. I'm feeling good. Yeah, That's good. feeling excellent. We, we never really ask how you're feeling, so it's good that you... Ah, no one cares. Sorry. I know we don't really care, but... Robots don't have feelings, Brad. They didn't program <laughs> me that way. <laughs> Do you need an oil or something? I don't know. Programmed me to be funny. Mm. Um, Paul programming. <laughs> uh, you guys, uh, you guys know this, but our listeners don't. I have technically been to North Korea. What? <laughs> yes, I did know that. Um, I went to South Korea, the uh, the southern one, the mm-hmm. free one, <laughs> and um, I did a tour of the demilitarized zone there. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I went underneath the DMZ in a tunnel oh. that the North had built. You know, go and check out the tunnel that they tried to build underneath the DMZ. And uh, I went to the place where they hold their meetings with the uh, North Koreans. They have like this, these uh, blue houses that uh, sit on the demarcation line between North mm-hmm. and South. And inside, I went inside one of those buildings and I technically walked to the North side. So I was, Boy, I was in North the Korea border. You by rebel. a couple of meters. <laughs> Did you die? Um, no, I was quite, oh. I felt quite safe because there are lots of South Koreans there looking very, uh, serious with yeah. lots of guns and, um, they don't fuck around and they, uh, just look cool and looked, uh, <laughs> like they would protect me if the North Koreans tried to steal me. So uh, they might. Maybe. Yeah. I drank a North Korean beer as well. Cause at that, um, at the DMZ, you can oh, buy North have Korean beer. goods at the gift shop. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. Does it taste like desperation and sadness? Or? <laughs> no, it just tastes like any other crappy Asian beer, you know, like <laughs> just regular sort of taste. I don't know. You need, you need and I crops some to make beer, though, and they don't have any crops because mm. they have no food. They're starving. Maybe they import uh, South Korean beer, like Castle Height or something like that, and then they just swap it into another just bottle. Just relabel it, yeah. Yeah, pretend that they... Uh, Make their own beer. Very capitalist of them. Yes. Especially selling it back to the South Koreans. Mm. (laughs) It Mm. is quite clever, yeah. Selling Mm. their goods at the uh, South Mm. Korean DMZ. (laughs) Alright, before we get started today, I want to remind everyone to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. 
And if you leave us a nice review on iTunes, we'll give you a shout out during the show to say thank you. Unless you're Alice you want- Graham, in which case, get fucked up. I mean, if he's already got contact- more mentions on this show than I think anyone else. So. Listen, I just have to make a point that I'm coming after you, man. <laughs> if you want to get in contact with us or suggest an episode idea or just say hi, please do. We always love interacting with our fans. You can do that on any of our social media or through our website, bradisabadperson.com. If you really, really like us, you can send us some cash through paypal.me slash person to help us with running costs or to sponsor an episode. This episode was actually requested by a big fan of the show, William, oh. who was like a brother to us, really. And he donated- <laughs> To one of us, yeah. He donated uh. the going rate of $30 for us to do an episode on North Korea. So for the low, low price of $30, we will do an episode on anything you want. PayPal.me slash Brad is a bad person. Anything. But, but otherwise- the best thing you can do to support the show is to tell a friend to listen. Just do it! Welcome, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. do you want to get this party started by cracking open a cold one with the boys? It's time to crack open a cold one with the boys. So I uh, may have forgotten... To go and purchase a beer this week. So, I just uh, went out to the garage fridge, had a look to see what I had. And uh, I've got a Carlsberg, which is three months past its best before date. Well, this would be good. I think I've had Carlsberg on the podcast before, but I haven't had one three months past the best before date. So, this will be like a bit of a, a before and after type thing. Give me one sec. In it! <laughs> Sorry, guys, but uh, let's just crack it open and give it maybe another go. Mm. Beer good. doesn't go. Didn't beer go doesn't well. go bad. Change my mind. Ooh, I'll take. That's yeah, good. I also got beer <laughs> on the keyboard, so. <laughs> That's not so great. You're actually I think crushing that, it this week, mate. I have to wonder if that would have happened with a beer that was still in date. <laughs> I think when beer goes off, it's just slightly less fizzy, but it still tastes the same. Like, it's all fermented anyway. It's like, yeah. it's already off. That's a hot take. Um, that is a hot take. Okay, I'm going to go first today. But before I do, I just want to remind everybody of uh, the new segment on the podcast, Morgan's Mailbag. Um you can email me anything you want, Morgan B I A B P at gmail.com. Anything, comments, suggestions, something you want me to read out on the show. Just, you know, it's a mailbag. It's your chance to just say whatever you're feeling. Just get it out there and I'll read it on the show. Whatever you want. See, I'll read anything. You see what he's done here, Lachlan? He's stolen your segment and mm-hmm. he's also spruiking his segment harder because yeah. he sort of controls the flow of things. So you're getting double yeah. cut here. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. So I'm, uh, I'm just you know, at this point, why, why fight it? You know, <laughs> pimp, out, pimp out your segment all you want, but I'm being complimentary to the people when I'm asking them to email in. I'll do whatever you want. You're calling them losers and trying to help them act normal. I mean, you can you can pimp out your segment if you want, but it's you know, an acronym catch more flies with- of my name, Lachlan's Advice Corner, helping losers act normal. L a c h l a n. 
I cannot believe you fucking idiots haven't gotten that yet. Actually, I in my notes, I write down C-O-A-C-O-W-T-B because I don't want to type the whole thing out. And I know. Oh, and I know. I just like, so, I would have written down, if this... If this happened more often, I probably would have written down <laughs> L-A-C-H-L-A-N. But that's very, very clever. Yeah. Congratulations, Lachlan. Thank you. <laughs> wonder if I could do something similar with Morgan. Maybe Mailman. now people will actually write in because they've realised how fucking smart I am and they want my no, advice. probably not. They'll probably write to Morgan's mailbag. <laughs> I'm going to ask you for some advice. Okay. Anyway, I'm going to go first today, mm-hmm. set the stage by talking about Korea North Korea in general, a little bit, and then Brad and Lachlan are going to go. So, the Not story the same of time, separately, <laughs> consecutively, one after the other. No, concurrently. Yes. The story of Korea is a tragic one, and I'm not talking about just the time since the Civil War in the 50s. Korea, the geographical region, is a peninsula that hangs off the northeast of China and is only a short distance across the Sea of Japan from Japan. This location means that. Since Korea has always been outnumbered by their neighbours, they have been controlled and dominated by China and Japan throughout their history. Most recently, from 1910 until the end of World War II, Korea was ruled brutally by Japan. The Japanese destroyed Korean artefacts, forced people to speak Japanese instead of Korean, and brutally struck down any protests, including infamously an incident in 1919 when the Japanese army killed 7,000 people partaking in a non-violent protest against the occupation. Mm. When Japan decided to increase their imperial ambitions during World War II, this led to all kinds of new horrors for the Korean people. Over 5 million men were used as slave labour, with more than 400,000 of them dying. About 200,000 women were taken as sex slaves by the Japanese army, and tens of thousands of men were forced to fight in in the Japanese military. We all know about the absolute depravity of the Japanese during and prior to World War II. We've spoken about it in previous episodes, so why am I telling you all of this? Well, actually, I'm making the case for the existence of North Korea. It is no secret that we fucking hate communists here on Brad is a Bad Person. (laughs) Might have mentioned it once or twice. You have to grant them the fact that the Reds in Korea were the only real resistance force fighting against the Japanese. They were the rebels, the guerrilla fighters, the independence movement. They didn't defeat the Japanese, obviously, but when the US dropped the atomic bombs on Japan, ending World War II, who do you think should have the right to form government and take control of the entire peninsula? Well, you could argue that the capitalists, backed by the US, deserved to create government because the US had liberated the peninsula and wanted it to be free. What better way to start an autonomous Korea than allying with those who liberated you from their eternal enemy? Mm-hmm. Fair point. But you could equally claim that the communists should form government since they were the ones fighting for independence and they had a vision for an independent Korea protected by the military might of the other side of the Cold War, the communist side. Korea borders Russia as well, if only barely. So what better allies than their two geographical neighbours? America is far away. China and Russia are right next door. It's easier to have a strong relationship with your neighbours. It is therefore tragically understandable that a Korean civil war began in 1950. All throughout their history, the Koreans had been beaten and abused by outside forces. Now they are about to do it to themselves. They were two groups with incompatible visions for the peninsula, allying with the opposite sides of the Cold War, unable to agree or compromise. It is one of the few hot parts of the Cold War. 
The US sends <laughs> troops to land in Incheon near Seoul and push the communists up north. The Chaikoms jump in and force the capitalists to retreat. After three years of fighting, the two sides beat each other into, sta- into a stalemate. The 38th parallel becomes the border between the north and the south, literally because the US drew it on a map and said, that pretty much looks like it cuts the peninsula in half. <laughs> the 38th parallel becomes known as the Demilitarized Zone, the DMZ, despite being one of the most heavily militarized zones in the world. Both sides have to rebuild from scratch. The North gets off to a decent start, backed by China and Russia and the strong hand of the state. Central planning is usually a disaster, but you don't because you don't have the invisible hand of the market helping to allocate resources. But when the entire country is in rubble and chaos is everywhere, the very visible hand of the state works fine. It doesn't take a genius to decide where to allocate resources when cities need rebuilding. The stark contrast between the North and the South that we see today began emerging during the 70s and accelerated in the 80s. The capital South, with free markets and free people, looks like Wakanda, whereas the North (laughs) looks like the rest of Africa. (laughs) Holy shit. Shots fired. The South, with their amazing rebuild, has proved that Koreans are some of the most intelligent and industrious people on the planet. It is more than a tragedy that there are 25 million slaves living in horrible conditions in the North today, with no freedom of expression or association, risking their lives to trade on the black market, because that is often the only way they can eat properly or experience any of life's luxuries that South Koreans take for granted. Slaves or patriots, Morgan? (laughs) (laughs) Slave triots. Slave triots. South Koreans and North Koreans are identical ethnically, so it is interesting to note the differences between the groups because they can really only be attributed to societal differences. Mm. On average, South Koreans live 12 years longer and are about 5 centimetres taller. Oh, that's interesting. The North has less than 1,000 kilometres of paved roadways, compared to South Korea having about 92,000 kilometres. I'm sure you've all seen satellite images of the Korean Peninsula at night. The entire south is lit up like a Christmas tree, but only the capital Pyongyang has reliable electricity in the north. The GDP per capita in the north is $1,700. In the south, it is $45,000, about 26 times higher. Amazingly enough, this GDP per capita was essentially even from the end of the Korean War until it split in the mid-70s. Since then, the world has been enriched by South Korean cars from Kia to Hyundai, South Korean electronics, from LG to Samsung, and South Korean music and movies. Yeah, I own a Kia. Yeah, I had a Hyundai, first car. (laughs) Meanwhile, the Kim family in North Korea has created a cult of personality around their patriarchs, Kim Il-sung, Kim Jong-il, and currently Kim Jong-un, to the detriment of the North Korean people. The North Korean experiment, the socialist workers' paradise, the Juche, or self-reliance ideology, has completely and utterly failed. Make no mistake, North Korea would look like South Korea if not for the Kim dynasty repressing and oppressing their own people. Mm. Which is also why they're five centimetres shorter, due to literal oppression. (laughs) (laughs) Being pushed down. Yeah. (laughs) Being held down. Held down, yeah. In the 70s, it became clear that South Korea was beginning to outpace their northern rivals, In the 80s, it became so embarrassingly obvious that the North was failing and the South was succeeding. The North would never be able to catch up without drastically changing their system of government, but that wasn't an option for Kim Il-sung, the founder of North Korea, 
who was called the Great Leader or Supreme Leader. In the 90s, when he died and his son Kim Jong-il took over, the stark contrast between the North and the South was exemplified when North Korea experienced a famine and South Korea begged the North to accept their help. Oh, <laughs> that is like a massive slap in the face, isn't it? Uh-huh. Saying, Come on, take mm. our food, we're begging. Yeah. <laughs> it's like your successful brother or whatever trying to give you money. Yeah, yeah. You can see it from the North's point of view, though, because you never want to take money from your brother, your more successful brother. Of course. Yeah. It's a pride thing. So, just like Chavez in Venezuela, Kim Il-sung died just before shit really hit the fan in the socialist hellscape he had created. The famine in the mid to late 90s was presided over by his son, the dear leader, Kim Jong-il, who euphemistically titled the famine, The Arduous March. <laughs> it's not wrong. <laughs> the co- what a dick. <laughs> the collapse of the Soviet Union meant that the Rus- that all Russian imports to North Korea had to be paid at full price, no more friendly prices, or what we call in Australia mates rates. Mm. Couple that with a few droughts and floods that ruined many harvests, and all of a sudden, one of the most devastating famines of the 20th century began. At first, Kim Jong-il denied that there was a famine at all, but when he realised that it was unreasonable to expect people to believe that all was well despite seeing their neighbour die from starvation, he said it was just temporary shortages and all Koreans would have to tighten their belts. He likened this event to the harsh conditions his father faced while fighting the Japanese and said that all Koreans would have to be resilient like his father and get through this arduous march. He dressed down as he toured the country, telling people that he was working very hard every day and that he no longer needed to defecate because he only ate one bowl of rice <laughs> per day and his body had adapted to his new diet. <laughs> In reality, he was eating banquets for every meal and refused to cut down on his $800,000 per year Hennessy cognac habit. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> That's a lot of cognac. He also continued buying films to help grow what was the largest private film collection on earth. About 15,000 films. The dear leader refused to open markets despite this strategy being hugely successful in alleviating famines in other communist nations like Russia and China, but unlike them, he didn't want to resort to capitalism. The Kim family are true believers in Marxism, more stubborn than any other communist nation that has ever existed. He wouldn't allow imports from other nations either. So what did he do? Kim Jong-il had the North Korean agriculture minister publicly executed in 1997 for being a US spy who sabotaged their crops on purpose. That's how you do it. That's it, yeah, that's it. Yeah, it was the Soviet approach. Any failure of central planning is blamed on fascist agitators, sometimes called wreckers. He also started cracking down on citizens using the words famine and hunger, because if you mention these words, then you must be criticising the government and accusing it of failing. (laughs) (laughs) He started a propaganda push with the slogan, let's, own, let's eat only two meals a day. <laughs> <laughs> that was the slogan. <laughs> he was their all-powerful leader and he couldn't be seen to be weak because cults rely on the belief that their leader is infallible. However, behind the scenes, Kim Jong-il would swallow his pride on the international stage by asking for food aid. Countries from all over the world started offering the most coming from China, South Korea, and the US. At the aid peak, they are accepting over 1,000 tonnes of food every year. 
But of course, inside North Korea, it was never admitted that they took aid. Kim Jong-il didn't let these countries donate food straight to the North Korean people because everything had to come from the government and go through central distribution. This means that the aid mostly went to party members, the military, and the workers in certain privileged occupations. Those in the lowest rank of North Korean society did not see an increase in their food rations. By the time the famine was ending in 1999, somewhere between 250,000 and 3.5 million North Koreans had died from starvation. (sighs) The fact that these numbers are so hard to calculate is, of course, a feature, not a bug, in these kinds of (laughs) political systems. Uh, It's not real communism, though. Something I mentioned just then while speaking about the Great Famine was about how North Koreans were told that the deer leader didn't defecate. I'm sure you've all heard the wacky stories about Kim Jong-il and the North Korea- that the North Korean people are told. Mm-hmm. That he was born atop a mountain and when he did, a new star popped into existence, a double <laughs> rainbow appeared and spring began early. That he learned to drive a car at the age of three. That he shot 38 under par in his first ever round of golf, including five <laughs> holes in one. <laughs> that's, that's my personal favourite, I think. These these stories sound funny to us, but there is a seriously sinister side to these tall tales. The North Korean people are not stupid. I said before that Koreans are among the most intelligent and industrious people on the planet, and the North Koreans are genetically identical to the South Koreans. It seems logical to me that they know these stories are bullshit, but they have to go along with them. The other explanation that their view of reality is so warped and twisted by one maniacal family having absolute control over the information they consume is almost more horrifying. Mm-hmm. So let's assume they know it's all bullshit. That's hope. We all grew up believing impossible stories, but at some point we questioned them and figured things out for ourselves. So just imagine knowing that denying the existence of Santa Claus or the Tooth Fairy could land you and your entire family in a concentration camp for life. <laughs> even question, Even asking questions about it, or pointing out the flaws in the logic. We all asked at some point, how does Santa Claus manage to visit every house in the, on the planet in just one night? The North Korean people can't ask, how does a three-year-old drive a car? I mean, even <laughs> if he had the mental faculty to, how would he do it logistically? You can't ask that question. Uh. This exemplifies the absolute depravity of the North Korean regime. They have to pretend that a three-year-old can drive a car, that someone who never picked up a golf club in their life could shoot 38 under par, that a star came into existence when a child was born. People are forced to tell lies every day, forced to exist in a logically inconsistent world, forced to spy on each other, forced to admit their faults in weekly shame circles at their school or at their work, forced to keep portraits of the two eternal leaders, Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il, in their house, forced to wear a pin of Kim Il-sung whenever they leave the house, forced to act a certain way in public, and all of this is done with the knowledge that non-compliance leads to the most brutal and inhumane treatment of human beings anywhere on the planet, and not just for you, but also for your family. Mm. If your family is not sent away with you, they are deranked in the North Korean caste system and lose the few privileges they might have had. Escaping is not an option. Failing to escape runs the risk of life in concentration camp for you and your extended family. Success in escaping means that you'll live the rest of your life knowing that your family was most likely put in a concentration camp for your freedom. You can only attempt to escape if you have no family, or you can somehow fake your own death. To most of us in the Western world today, the evils of communist totalitarian states seem like a horrible history that is thankfully finally over. 
The Soviet Union has collapsed and China has modernized. In Russia, the gulag system is no more and the intentional mass starvation of millions of people is a thing of the past. The great leap forward and the cultural revolution in China seem like a lifetime ago. But China is still abusing its people. It is oppressing ethnic minorities, religious groups, and political opponents. It is not as bad as it once was, but China is by no means a free country. While the freeing of markets has led to remarkable leaps in prosperity for the Chinese people, it has not led to the freeing of the Chinese people, as so many in the West had theorized. North Korea, however, is as depraved and horrible as it has ever been. Yes, it is a wacky country with a wacky leader, but make no mistake, it is a nightmarish totalitarian state, as creepy and intrusive as any dystopian fiction you can read, and still as depraved as Russia and China were at their worst, with punishments for minor infractions more brutal than you can imagine. The tragedy of North Korea is so blindingly obvious considering that South Korea sits right below it, with 55 million free people the poorest of which are living the kinds of lives the average North Korean could hardly dream of. North Korea is a country of 25 million slaves, each with as much potential as their southern cousins. It is a goddamn tragedy that they will not be able to realise that potential due to a stubborn dynasty that refuses to admit that their political ideology has been a catastrophic and unmitigated failure. This episode is dedicated to the North Korean people and the hope for their peaceful liberation. Fucking... Bring me right down. Yeah. <laughs> I we were just going to talk I, about a batshit crazy thing. Yeah, it's got deep. Yeah, I was thinking we were just going to, you know, get silly and talk about all the silly stuff they do, but no, we're talking about human rights and shit, so. Uh, thanks for that, Morgs. Um yeah. I Fucking just going to go slip my wrists, I'll be back in a minute. I don't think <laughs> that they know that all the propaganda is bullshit, because- you're you're assuming that the that intelligence is a genetic thing. Um, I think if you grow up in a country where one family controls all the information and the entire government and the schooling system and everything, you're never you're never gonna get the skills to think critically about anything. Um, it's and it's it's something that comes so naturally to us that I think you're just assuming that everyone can think about things in a in a critical manner. But you know, if you if you get told from the time that you are born into adulthood that a three year old drove a car, and you have no no reason to doubt that, What's why a would car? you? <laughs> wow. <Well, yeah. laughs> Um, yeah, I I don't know. I think children are naturally curious and just ask questions all the time. And yeah. I think kids are kind of switched on enough to know when they're being given bullshit answers or in- inconsistent answers um, at some point. So, I, you know, I disagree. I think intelligence is quite genetic. And uh, critical thinking, I get your point. Like, it's not... Essentially, you know, it might be something that needs to be taught, but I just think, yeah. yeah, like you would know something's wrong, even if you couldn't put it into words, you would know that something's fucked up. Mm. I don't know. Because otherwise, your whole perception of reality is warped. Well, I think that's it, though. I think their whole perception of reality is warped. They have no way of contacting the outside world, they don't know what the rest of the world looks like and what they're being told is that they are the greatest country in the world and they have it better than anyone else. So Yeah, most prosperous, yeah. Um, 
if that's if that's all you know, then that is your reality, really. Yeah, I think yeah. when you control the information, you can make it a lot harder for people to question things. Yeah, um, absolutely. You can't when you can't even like with North Korea, you can't move freely even between Mm-mm. areas in North Korea. No. So that transfer of information is just you're not going to know what you don't know. You know? Yeah, yeah. You don't <laughs> yeah, know what you yeah. don't know. You don't know what you don't know. Um, so like you can feel like oh maybe this is this doesn't feel right. Like you have that uneasy feeling, but. Like, for example, how do you know that he's not shitting? Is like, he's only eating one <laughs> bowl of rice a day and he's not shitting. Yeah. You have no kind of medical information to back that up. Like, we have this mm. basic mm. understanding of physiology, which they're not being taught. Um, so, maybe, yeah, it, it actually does. Yeah, we they get buy into it. everybody poops. Yeah. And, I mean, you do hear, <laughs> <laughs> hear stories... Um, from, you know, like defectors and stuff like that when they show up in a large city and they see it and they're like, holy shit, I didn't realize anywhere it could be this good or yeah. um, they still think that people are, are lying about North Korea and stuff mm. like that, even though they've witnessed it firsthand. Um, like it, it could be a whole sham or they're just trying to show off to them or um, mm. like I feel like it, it it's a combination. Like they they buy into it and they – they, they sort of religiously say it until they believe it. Mm. Like, they have to. That, yep. That's their only choice. Um, and so, it's like when you get out of, like, when someone gets out of a cult and you have to, uh, you know, desanitize them. Got to deprogram them. Yeah, deprogram them. That's what I was looking for, deprogram them after they get out of the cult. And then they're like, no, the cult leader was, you know, looking after us, as you mentioned, you know. Yeah. yeah. That's something that we talked about in our cults episode, which is, it seems like a lifetime ago now. But I was, I watched that. Um, that show on the ABC, you can't ask that, whereas people that have been in cults before. And, yeah, one of the women was on there and she wasn't in a cult that um, she figured out was bullshit and decided to leave. She was in a cult that just collapsed and then she mm. was still a true believer at the end of it. So, mm. it was like she didn't leave voluntarily looking for a new life. She was just kind of given a new life and had to kind of yeah figure yeah. out what was bullshit and what was not. And I think that's what would happen if North Korea suddenly peacefully liberated yeah. in some way if, um, you know, Kim Jong-il started, you know, for example, if you could just open up the internet for them and they could just yeah. start Googling stuff, yeah. it would just be like... Overnight it'd collapse. Yeah. Yeah, but it would just be like um, it, it, they wouldn't be able to handle it. So, yeah, like I, 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 that's what I said when I was doing, when I was talking in there, like, and like the other option that them not realizing it's bullshit, the other option to that is them having their perception of reality warped so much by the Kim family yeah. that they don't know it's bullshit. And I think that's just like a horrifying thought to think it of. Like, it absolutely is, but I think that is the reality. Uh, I wonder how quickly that could change, maybe, if it's mm. true. Well, I mean, How long it would take to deprogram something like that. Yeah, well, I mean, they must... If, if everyone was so tightly controlled as they like to believe that they are, they wouldn't have defectors at all. So, some people clearly have yeah, the, yeah, that's true. the ability to think critically and to question things and are also smart enough to keep that hidden long enough to get themselves out of the country at the expense of love lunch, which sucks. Um, mm. it's not, I don't think that's anything anyone should have to go through knowing that they their freedom and, you know, the death or the imprisonment of, you know, their yeah. family and friends. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. Um, so clearly, they're they're not controlling the content as much as they would like, 
because they still have people defecting, even though it is only a small number. But I also do know people can go to China to work. They're like sent to China to work to make money for the for yeah. the regime yeah, and, and Russia and as well. They, and yeah, Russia. so they do get exposed to stuff. I just don't think that. I think they're probably the people more likely to defect, honestly, because they're the ones yeah. who bring back the stories. And yeah, true. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, sorry to start us off on a you know down <laughs> note there, guys, but I think it is important to provide context and give a bit of history there, and just to make it clear that you know. It might be funny on the outside to us, but there are 25 million people in that country suffering and they've yeah. done absolutely nothing to deserve yeah. it. Like, yeah. the idea that we would start a war with them and start killing those people, like, they didn't do anything to deserve it. It's literally one family yeah. that's just, you know, degenerated the entire country yeah. and the one entire family culture. And hangers on. Mm. Yeah, I, it's I, just I think I've said this absolutely to you guys horrifying. Before. I think I've said this to you guys before. Um, in you know private conversations, I, I genuinely believe if you cut the head off that snake, that country is on its feet in fifteen years and prospering in the next fifty years. They yeah. would, I think, South Korea would just absorb them. And well, I don't even know if they would Korea. absorb. They would have to, yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying that they, like, yeah, within fifty years of cutting the head off that snake, they're a, a you know a world player like South Korea. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the thing. It would it would take a while, obviously, but there's no. Reason, there's no reason I think that they wouldn't end up looking like South Korea. Yeah, and I, and I don't think that the average citizen is going to fight against an incursionary force. Like, as soon as the Kims no. are dead, I think they're just like, cool, I'm okay with you this. Would, Can't be you worse. Probably have, you'd probably have a small percentage of people trying to like fight against the imperialist occupation. Yeah, but they're party um, in, in defense like of the Kims, ranking officials. And no, stuff I, like I, I think I honestly think there would be citizens who led a rebellion, but um, yeah, that would only be believers. a small percentage. Yeah, mm. the truly, truly brainwashed. Okay, but yeah. I just think that, like in general, if you could kill the party itself, like high-ranking party officials, yeah, take out the um, the Kims, you'd be it'd be sweet because no one else is going to fight back. They just Mm. They buy the bullshit, especially those who get up higher in the party. They just know they have to keep propagating the bullshit or else mm. they're going to end up dead. That's the other thing as well. I think probably the higher up you get in the party, the more you know that it is bullshit. Yeah, the more woke you um, get. <laughs> but or, or at the same time, the more that you have to- Yeah, absolutely. you got to uh, double down on that bullshit. Have appearance of, of believing it. Yeah, big time. Oh, yeah. You gotta, you're on watch all day. Like, yeah. yeah, it's a double-edged sword. You get like nice shit, but you get nice shit, and you have to maintain your silence, and you know that you're killing, you know, yeah. millions of people, your brethren. Yeah, you know, oh, it would just, yeah. it would just be horrible. Like the, I mean, I talked about it then, but like the the famine that they went through in the nineties, yeah. and the just complete indifference to it, seemingly from Kim oh. Jong Il and the higher ups. It's just horrifying to think of, and it's 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 completely unnecessary. It's so horrible that he let his own people starve because he was too proud to take aid or yeah. to open up the markets like everyone knows how to stop a famine like it's you let people trade with each other and you let people uh-huh. barter it's it's just the fact that he wouldn't do that and he made everything go through the centralized system when it was clearly failing it's just it's terrible and he wouldn't let countries donate straight to people straight to cities and airdrop stuff it's just like ugh. It's horrible. Anyway, sorry to sorry to bring us all down there, but yeah. uh, Brad Brad's gonna go next. <laughs>
<笑>ノーコンテキストファクスリズブラッド Geographically, Maine is the closest US state to the continent of Africa. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, interesting. Little, little fun fact there, completely out of context.、Um, yep. Yeah, that's what the segment's about,、yep. that, I guess. Anyway,、um, Brad's going to go next. So、uh, hopefully something wacky. But yeah, as I said, I just wanted. It, sorry to start us off on a sad and、uh, serious note, but I think it's really important that we get some context and、uh-huh. understand how really fucked up this place is and that it's not just a, a joke to laugh at. Although it is also a joke to laugh at. So <laughs>、um, let's go, Brad. <laughs> well, now that we got that fucking downer out of the way, this week I was,、yeah. I was thinking about the topic at hand, obviously, in North Korea. And it is <laughs> a tricky one. Because we know, like, relatively, we know very little about the isolationist country.、Mm-hmm. Um, and everything we、the、do here. The Hermit Kingdom. The Hermit Kingdom, yeah, nice, I like that. But everything we do here is generally batshit crazy.、Um, uh-huh. So the more I thought about it, an obvious question came to mind. What do I think of when I hear North Korea? And yes, I think、mm. of the dear leader and his lack of an anus. But immediately <laughs> after that, due to years of mainstream media indoctrination, I think of. Nuclear weapons. Yes. So this got me thinking again. I know nuclear weapons are dangerous, and I certainly don't like the idea of a bunch of wildcards in the form of North Korea wildly flailing them about. But do they really <clears throat> have nuclear weapons capable of threatening the Western world? Oh, good question. I've heard a lot about the impending doom from the news, but I also know that they, they've got to push those papers, baby. Additionally, the dictatorial regime of the Kims is notorious for tooting their own horn, only to later show their utter incompetence.、Uh-huh. With that in mind, I set about looking into their nuclear program, or perhaps lack of one, to answer how far、Ooh. along they are in their development, and are we already fucked if Fatboy pops off for no reason? <laughs>、uh, in its history, North Korea has allegedly detonated six nuclear weapons, starting in 2006 and as recently as 2017. This may seem paltry in comparison to the US and the USSR slash Russia with their thousands of tests, respectively, but it's not a bad effort when the entire planet thinks you're batshit crazy and doesn't want you to have them. Just ask Iran. <laughs> As I mentioned, the first test came in on the 9th of October 2006, and like all future tests, would be conducted underground. The way that we know these tests were genuinely carried out and not gusto from the Kim regime. Is that, it, is that the seismic activity has been recorded coming from the Korean Peninsula at these, ta- these times and dates, backed up by multiple third party organizations as well as national run institutions from all over the world?、Mm. The first blast was initially estimated at two kilotons. But after careful examination of the data,、uh, the Federal Institute for Geosciences and Natural Resources in Germany、uh, revised it to 0.7 kilotons. To give you some、uh, context,、weak. Little Boy and Fat Man, the two nuclear devices deployed on Hiroshima and Nagasaki during World War II, came in at 15 kilotons and 24 kilotons, respectively. Oh, and they were nothing as well. Like, compared <laughs> to what? <laughs> no, no, like compared to, you know, the A bombs that came after them, those are、oh, tiny. Yeah, compared to now, but, you know. Look, little, little sidebar. I've got a lot of people.、This. For anyone who's confused when you hear megatons and kilotons, like I was before diving into this, 
They measure explosive force in tons of TNT. One kiloton is 1,000 kilos of dynamite. One megaton is 1,000 kilotons or 1 million kilos of dynamite. How many (laughs) whales can that explode? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, I don't know. I wish I had a Google converter for that movie. Well, they used, you know, we talked about this. They they used 1,000 pounds of dynamite, which is half a... 500 kilos, basically. So that's so half, half a, a kiloton. Half a kiloton, there you go. Which is what you said that first test was. Yeah, it was mm. 0.7 kilotons. So just over a whale. Oh, these bitches can barely blow up a whale. So they probably <laughs> needed, what, a full kiloton to get rid of that whale. <laughs> yeah. Blast it back. Now, I know when we start talking about such stupid numbers, it's really hard to fathom explosions that big. But just know that they're fucking big. We've seen one. <laughs> Well, when we start talking megatons and kilotons, we... Oh, yeah, megatons. That's huge. Yeah. Uh, For additional context, guys, a yield of 0.7 kilotons would take out Melbourne CBD um, and is in its initial detonation, um, but is not, you know, drastically large. So it would knock down the buildings in that area, the blast would, but the damage wouldn't really leave the... CBD is what I'm saying. So it wouldn't take you out I wouldn't be in trouble where I am. No, you'd be fine. Um, Obviously, this got the attention of the global community, but Mm world-destroying weapons of mass destruction, no, not even close. North Korea's Mm. next detonation would come three years later, on the 25th of May, 2009. And again, it caught the world's eye. The detonation was clocked in at somewhere between 2 and 5.4 kilotons of explosive power. This yield could potentially take out the entire CBD in Melbourne, but but by South Bank, there would be only light damage. So this is more for people who, if you want to pull up a map of Melbourne, I'm going to be using Melbourne as my base here. Because <laughs> it's quite a large it city. Use well. Manhattan or something. Nah, oh, fuck like Manhattan. Not. We're an Australian podcast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, fair and Sydney sucks, so. And yeah. that also gives you guys context as well, because you know Melbourne, so. Actually, I would have preferred if you used Sydney because I want to think about that being blown up. <laughs> I would I would not have a problem with Melbourne being blown up if I'm not going to get hit where I am. <laughs> anyway, Kim Jong-un clearly wasn't going to leave it at that. And their third detonation would be on the 12th of February 2013, less than two years into his new regime after the passing of his father in 2011. This blast would be measured at somewhere between 14 and 16 kilotons, so right on that destructive power of Little Boy. Ooh. This explosion would Watch blow your Japan. socks off. <laughs> this explosion <laughs> would blow your socks off in South Bank, Carlton, and East Melbourne, but there would be no damage by the time you made it to Albert Park or Carlton North. Yeah, no damage, just like severe radiation sickness. Yeah, no, 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 there's an excellent website you can find. It's got nuke, nuke maps. So. Fallout, maybe, but as far as initial radiation, there would be nothing by carbon. It wouldn't even be light damage from the explosion. Really? Yep. How small is Hiroshima, then? Uh, like, in terms of, like, geographically? I, I can right? say yeah. that these were also based on ground detonations. You can set for air detonations as well, which will increase oh, it slightly. Yeah. Well, air it's really not that much. spread way further. Yeah. So, if, if Kim Jong-un was going to fire a rocket at uh, the Melbourne CVD, would that be an air detonation or a ground detonation? <laughs> Listen, I did all these and then realized that there was the air detonation, so I'd covered it in the last one, so shut up. I'm not going to go back and change all this shit. <laughs> Why would you? Why would you? Why would I? Because honestly, also, it doesn't make that big a difference. I thought it would make more of a difference, but it didn't. We're talking like not that much. So. Anyway. Okay. Um, 
That's a small Look amount. it up yourself. Uh, That's what we're all about here at Brad is a Bad Person. Do the fucking <laughs> research yourself, listeners. Yeah, I don't have to just do <laughs> shit to you. From now on, we're just going to give you a topic and you can go and look it all up yourself. It's going to be a 15 second episode. <laughs> the next detonation would be on the 6th of January 2016. Uh, the North, Co- North Koreans would claim to be fucking around with hydrogen bombs now, but the international community would see no real difference in the seismic da- activity between this detonation and the previous one. This did, however, raise a scary point. See, up until this point, the North Koreans have been claiming that they were using traditional nuclear weapons, so to speak. The correct term is a pure fission weapon. Or collo- collo- uh, colloquially, that. Sorry, commonly. Yeah. Let's just try that again. The correct, <laughs> the correct term is a pure fission weapon, or commonly, atomic bombs. Mm. These are the simplest, mm-hmm. if you can call them that, design of nuclear weapons, where a neutron splits an, an atom of uranium, which produces more neutrons that split more atoms, etc., etc. The result is a reaction that produces a tremendous amount of energy and flattens cities like Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Staged thermonuclear weapons, or as they are more commonly referred to, hydrogen bombs, are, as the name suggests, nuclear weapons that have multiple stages. The first being a boosted fission Mm -hmm. stage that creates intense X radiation that implodes a second stage filled with fusion fuel. This fuel reacts to create a thermonuclear explosion, that can be hundreds of times more powerful than that of a standard pure fission device. Definitely something you don't want North Korea fucking around with. The Koreans' fifth detonation would come again in 2016 on the 9th of September with a yield of 25 kilotons, a handy little jump of 10 kilotons in just eight months. South Melbourne, say goodbye, you too, Collingwood. <laughs> this brings us to North Korea's most recent nuclear test on the 3rd of September, 2017. North Korea detonated a weapon at their Pyongyang test site that registered at approximately 250 to 280 kilotons. This detonation was so explosive, South Korea detected a 5.6 magnitude earthquake. Kew, Brunswick, Mooney Ponds, Ascot Vale, Kingsville, Northcote, St Kilda, and Kuyong, welcome to the shit list. Oh, Kuyong, you're getting close, Brad. A detonation of that size at ground level will have a thermal radiation radius of 6.5 kilometers, and an aerial deployment will see it at just over 7. Mm, not much yeah, of a difference really there. Not much of a difference. Yeah. So, <laughs> you can uh, eat my ass because I told you. Now, the sheer kilotonnage of this detonation proves that North Korea is most certainly fucking with hydrogen bombs. That alone doesn't mean that we're all fucked, though, especially if they don't have a way to deliver the payload. Well... At the time North Korea was playing Secret Squirrel with their hydrogen bomb, they were publicly flaunting new intercontinental ballistic missiles. Several tests were carried out, with some exploding immediately, others making it just over 50 kilometers before fail. That is until they launched their Hwasong-14 intercontinental ballistic missile on the 14th of July 2017, which flew for 39 minutes and landed safely in Japanese waters. This missile is capable of reaching continental United States. In August 2019, Japan upgraded its estimate its estimate of North Korea, stating it now believes that the Koreans have successfully miniaturized nuclear warheads, meaning they can strike out at most of the globe with a nuclear weapon at any time. So, to answer my original questions, how far along are they? Pretty fucking far along. An impressive feat in just over a decade of testing. Uh, they have the device, the delivery system, 
and according to Japan's estimation, the miniaturized payload. Now the trickier question. How fucked are we? I was looking <laughs> into mutually assured destruction while researching this, and I discovered right around the point in history this became a thing. It wasn't the advent of the nuclear bombs or even the nuclear-tipped intercontinental ballistic missile. It was with the advent of the MERV system. The principle behind mutually assured destruction is that when, attack, when the attacker's advantage is so overwhelming that defense is essentially futile. The MERV, or the multiple, independently targetable re-entry vehicle, assures this. See, a singular missile can be shot down. Hell, any number of singular missiles can be shut down, theoretically, assuming that the defender has the matching defense battery. The MERV is capable of deploying 12 warheads from a single missile. It becomes impossible as the defender to put up enough defenses when 12 places can be targeted at once, and as such, mutually assured destruction becomes your only defense. So basically, I don't think we're completely fucked, but give Fatboy enough time to develop his own MERV system and North Korea will be a legitimate nuclear superpower. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I honestly don't know how like good defense systems are and stuff like that. Because I know like you know people have you know the US and stuff has like shields in place and stuff mm. like that, and they can send up shit into the sky and blow other blow fucking bombs up mid air and shit like that. Mm. So I don't know how well they would be able to detect it and defer it before it. Actually came down. Uh, well, what what the North Koreans have now, not an issue. So a singular miniaturized warhead on a as a tip of a intercontinental ballistic missile, they'd be fine doing that. They have yeah. the batteries in place. <clears throat> the issue is that say Russia, um, England, France, they and America, they're the only ones who have MERV systems. Mm. Uh, and China, sorry, always forget China. Um, mm. But the MERV system essentially flies up gets above a place and then deploys the warhead. And then splits, yeah. Well, no, it, it drops. It basically drops one and then it can continue on to another place. So it just... Oh, it, wow. Yeah. Um, now, they have to be each one for to full maximum. It has to be within about 150 kilometers of the next place. Mm. So you are limited by size, uh, by that radius. New York and Philly. Yeah, so you can... Okay, yeah. I mean... For the US, if you've got a densely packed area, yeah, absolutely, you could take it. Yeah, you could take out the east coast of America with that. Yeah, so you could take out probably 12. more likely the west coast. Yeah, but you take out twelve cities with a single missile, and then it becomes defending twelve cities versus one missile is is where that cost skyrockets because it, you can put up, you know, <laughs> you're an idiot. You can put up twelve Me. defense batteries. <laughs> Um, on 12 cities, but what if they pick another 12 cities? And then it's a, it, it becomes impractical. So the uh-huh. only only defense is a good offense, essentially. So if Korea gets that, like North Korea gets that point, I don't I don't think that they're gonna pull the trigger. Honestly, no. no. I, I I was gonna say this. I don't. There is absolutely no advantage for North Korea to start dropping bombs. They just want the rest of the world to take them seriously. Well, as I, I, a nuclear threat, I think. I think um, that the thing that I'm... If they get this, like, a MERV system, mm. I think um, North Korea is never going to be free from tyrants. Yeah. And that's that's the thing I would be most worried about. You're never going to free those 25 million people. Um, mm. they, they never have a chance at having a free market, open borders, any of that kind of stuff. North Korea just 
becomes even more of a hermit state. But if people try well, to intervene in any way, they just go, hey, look at this thing, and just point I it mean, out. Dennis Rodman's doing his part. I think they'll probably bring the. Uh, <laughs> but bring how much the whole time has Dennis Rodman got left? Let's future. be honest. The lifestyle he's led. He's going to live forever if uh, Kim Jong un <laughs> has anything to do with it. Yeah. If. Well, I mean, if you look how quickly the Soviet Union collapsed in the late 80s, like early 90s, like nobody saw that coming. Yeah. Like, no. You know. I talked to a guy when I was in Hungary over the summer and he was saying, like, nobody knew. Like, one day he was in school and they just said, we're going down to the capital because they're taking the communist flag off the um, parliament. Mm. And but he was just like, fuck, yeah. So, um, I would like, argue that the Koreans, though, magnitude is more oppressive than the Soviet Union was and they were incredibly oppressive. Mm. So, like, at least in the Soviet Union, you could move around and stuff like that you can't increase there's no dissemination of inf- information i just can't right. see it that is that is a difference between the soviet you know well uh, any communist country and north, north korea. korea specifically like if you live in a certain city in north korea you don't even have freedom of movement inside your own country you can't go to mm-hmm. another city no. that's what i'm saying so even if one of the cities liberated itself the other cities wouldn't even know about it so I just can't see yeah. an internal collapse coming like the Soviet but Union. I don't, I don't know. It, it's not so much about an internal collapse. It's just that during that famine in the 90s, for example, if Kim Jong-il had have said, okay, we're going to open the markets, we're going to allow a little bit of capitalism to come in, then it might have been like, well, everybody's getting so much more food now and everything's a lot better. So if if I take that back, you know, people are going to die and, you know, yeah. I have a conscience all of a sudden. So it, it could be something like that where... A leader, whether it's Kim Jong-un or the next guy or whatever, says, like, I'm going to liberalise a little bit. I'm going to open up the markets a little bit and then realises all the benefits from it and it keeps going and then eventually it just, like, the country opens up a little bit more and more and more. So, I don't think it's totally impossible. All all they have to do is look at China for an example of that. Exactly, yeah. And they might see China as an example and go, like, yeah, China is still able to oppress its people Despite opening the markets a bit, maybe we can do that as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so that would that would be a huge improvement if mm. if North Korea looked like China, that would be a goddamn fucking miracle. And yeah. Like, yeah. that's not <laughs> that's saying a lot because China fucking sucks. Yeah, ass. Fuck, I hate China. But if <laughs> North Korea was anything like China, that would be an amazing result for the North mm. Korean people. Absolutely. Mm. Well, at least they'd be free. Um, uh, they'd take that. But yeah, Kim Jong-il and Kim Jong-un, both of them, uh, they use, like, the nuclear weapons to get attention on them. And yeah. like you said, just, like, a show of force, like, don't fuck with us or whatever. Cause, and it's fair enough that they would want that because America has a very bad habit of deposing leaders that they yeah. don't like. <laughs> so, the, the idea that some... Navy SEALs can drop from the sky and just fucking shoot you in the face is a real um, concern if you're Mm -hmm. the North Korean leader. So, saying to them, like, yeah, do that and, you know, automatically a missile is going to go firing is a good way to potentially stop something like that. So, it's totally understandable. that they unsubstantiated. Name (laughs) 500 examples where America has deposed a They're not going to send their own troops in. They're just going to use the CIA to fund a rebel group who will, 15 years later, perform a fucking devastating terrorist attack on the US with that same uh, training. Exactly. 
So yes, it's it's not unreasonable <laughs> that. Yeah, it's if, not you're, unreasonable if you're the Kims, they want. you should be absolutely terrified of America. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. and it it is a very good way to kind of um, strong arm other countries into giving you food aid and stuff like that. Like mm. they they exist largely on donations coming, like food mm-hmm. donations coming in from Korea and China and America and stuff. So. The fact that it's like, well, don't piss us off. Like, you, you know, you're going to give us less food this year than you did last year. Mm, I don't know about that. I'm feeling yeah. pretty itchy today. Itchy trigger finger. I yeah, do. Exactly. I do love when they were doing their ICBM testing that they kept firing it right next to Japan. Like they were trying to send yeah. a message. <laughs> like they really fucking honest. hate Japan. So they're like, if they're going to nuke anybody, Japan definitely yeah. deserves it the most. What Japan's going to get. <laughs> It'll be Japan, shortly followed by America. Um, but, yeah, they, they kept firing missiles just in Japan, Japanese waters, and be like, what are you going to yeah. do about it, bro? What are you going to do? <laughs> Did they send one over Japan? Yeah, it flew right by mainland Japan. This is the thing, yeah. though. North Korea, like, Japan have to be the uh, the adult in that situation. Because <laughs> if they're not, international war breaks out. Like mm. you know, like, and North Korea aren't going to be the ones held responsible for it. It'll be Japan, because everyone's going to say, you know, Japan, you know better. Like, you're, you're a developed, <laughs> civilized nation. North Korea, they're like a fucking toddler. They're just you know doing crazy shit. But Japan, in retaliating, it's your fault. This war started. Yeah, yeah, and no one's. I don't think anyone's going to attack North Korea first. If anything happens, no. it's going to be North Korea attacking first because yeah. no one's going to be that stupid. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Mm. Very interesting, Brad. Uh, I was. I don't know too much about the nuclear program, so that was interesting to hear about that. Mm. So, mm. Um, well, that's the thing is, I always heard it in, on the news and like, oh, they're doing this, they're doing that. So I'm like, I go through and do sort of like a comprehensive timeline of what they were doing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, they, like they the actually have tonnage. developed quite a scary program, which is ill. One thing you said in there is that um, mutually assured destruction, a good offense is the best defense. Um, I think, and I don't know whether it's worth pointing this out, but I just think that there's a small distinction there in that the threat of mutually assured destruction is the defense. Once those nukes are in the air, nobody gives a fuck anymore. Yeah, like, well, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't matter whether America launches them in retaliation or not. Um, the damage is done, but it's it's the threat that they will be launched. Yeah, exactly. That the is threat of that mutually is, assured yeah. destruction. Yeah. It's like uh, it's it's psychological. Yeah, it's it's absolutely the only defense that every nuclear power has now is that mm. if you were to shoot us, we would destroy you as well. Yeah. It's not like how we would fucking save crazy ourselves. is it that France have nukes? By the way, I know of it always blows my mind. Fucking yeah. France. <laughs> Yeah, fucking cheese eating surrender monkeys. (laughs) They're the worst fighters. They need them the most. You just go, I don't need a military because I got nuclear weapons. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, Lachlan, you're going to go next and uh, tell us something about North Korea? Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. How many UNC soldiers does it take to screw in a light bulb? (laughs) How many? Hopefully fewer than it takes to cut down a tree. (laughs) The 
Morgan briefly mentioned the DMZ, but uh, just for a little bit more information, the Korean Demilitarized Zone, or DMZ, is a four-kilometer-wide strip of land along the border between North and South Korea that serves as a sort of neutral no-man's land between the two countries. The term DMZ, and I hate saying DMZ because we say Z in America, but DMZ sounds wrong. Um, The term (laughs) DMZ is one of those ironic names, like how you call a really fat guy tiny or a short dude big guy, because (laughs) it is one of the most militarized places in the world. Inside the DMZ is a small village called the Joint Security Area, or JSA, which is used as a meeting point between leaders of the two Koreas, and even has some buildings that sit directly on the border, half in each country, and that's what Morgs was talking about, where he went. Yeah. That, that shit is just always tense whenever you see a video of it. Yeah. You got the South Korean soldiers standing in the rock-ready stance, I think is what it's called. Yeah, yeah they call it the rock ready or yeah. ready to rock because yeah. South Korea, their official name is the Republic of Korea, R-O-K, rock. Yeah. Because neither neither Korea calls themselves North and South Korea. Like, we, no, we give them those yeah. titles. Yeah, but one. North Korea is like, we are Korea, the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, <laughs> and the southern part of our country is currently under US occupation. Yeah. That's what they say. I just always love all these... Tyrannical governments, they always call themselves democratic. democratic you have to put yeah. democratic in there, you're trying to make <laughs> and, and the people's, yeah. yeah and the people's, the people's. Yeah. That's what um, China is, People's Republic of China. Yeah. In 1976, there grew a large poplar tree in the JSA. This tree sat right near the Bridge of No Return, which is a bridge that's half... Uh, on one side north, half on one side south, mm-hmm. and blocked the line of sight between two UNC outposts, Checkpoint 3 and Observation Post 5. Naturally, this is a tactical hindrance, so five South Korean soldiers were sent out to trim the tree, escorted by 15 UNC personnel. They started <laughs> chopping branches off the tree, but this soon caught the attention of Senior Lieutenant Pak Chul of the North Korean Army and 15 of his soldiers. They crossed the Bridge of No Return into South Korean territory and said, hey, you can't trim this tree. This tree, they claimed, had been planted by the Supreme Leader, Kim Il-sung himself, and it had flourished under his supervision. (laughs) Astoundingly, Captain Arthur Boniface, the ranking UNC officer there, did not give a fuck and ordered the South Koreans to keep trimming. This upset Pak, so he sent a runner back across the bridge, and soon a truck carrying 20 more North Korean soldiers showed up. There are rules (laughs) dictating how many armed personnel are allowed to be in the JSA at any one time on each side, so these soldiers were instead packing crowbars and steel pipes. (laughs) Pak again said to Boniface, My guy, you better stop strip... You better stop trimming this tree, or we're gonna fuck you up. Keep swinging those axes, lads, was the order from Boniface. (laughs) Pack calmly wrapped his watch in a handkerchief, put it in his pocket, and shouted to his men, Kill the bastards. The North Koreans beat the piss out of the UNC and South Korean soldiers. They wounded all but one of the UNC guards, Boniface was beaten to death by five North Koreans, and they used the South Koreans' axes to kill First Lieutenant Mark Barrett, another American officer on the scene. Oh. 
The attack was over in about 30 seconds, and the North Koreans jumped back in their truck and got out of there. Shortly afterwards, the North Korean government put out a report of the incident. Around 10.15am today, the American imperialist aggressors sent in 14 hoodlums with axes into the (laughs) joint security area to cut the trees on their own accord, although such a work should have mutually consented beforehand. Four persons from our side went to the spot to warn them not to continue the work without our consent. Against our persuasion, they attacked our guards en masse and committed a serious provocative act of beating our men, wielding murderous weapons and depending on the fact that they outnumbered us. Our guards could not but resort to self-defense measures under the circumstances of this reckless provocation. Every single thing in there is a lie. Uh. That is. Just it just doesn't. It doesn't even like pass the sniff test. Like yeah, we right. confronted somebody chopping down a tree, and they just attacked us out of nowhere. Like <laughs> I think why? the only correct thing in there is that it was around ten forty-five a.m. that day. <laughs> Literally, everything else is a lie. Uh, about four hours later, Kim Jong Il, son of the Supreme Leader, addressed the Conference of Non-Aligned Nations, which, if you can believe it, is an even more impotent version of the United Nations, and (laughs) asked them to endorse the removal of US forces from Korea and the dissolution of the United Nations Command. The motion passed, but of course, that's as far as it went, because what are they going to do about it? (laughs) Who's a fuck? It was actually, the motion was seconded by Cuba, which is interesting. Was this like a commie UN? Is that what it was for? It's, it's basically every country that's not in the UN. Um, they <laughs> started, it's the nicest club. They started their own. It's for uh, developing nations, they say. Uh, uh, but it's, uh, it's all the countries that get just get shit on by the rest of the world. We're going to make our own uh, UN with blackjack and hookers. <laughs> It was, uh, the conference was held in Sri Lanka that year. If uh, that gives you any indication of uh, what sort of countries are involved. Emerging superpower Sri Lanka. (laughs) Three days after the attack, the UNC enacted Operation Paul Bunyan, named after the giant lumberjack from American folklore. They had decided that instead of just trimming the tree, they were going to cut it down completely. (laughs) At 0700 hours, Task Force Vieira, a convoy of 23 American and South Korean vehicles, entered the JSA, carrying two eight-man teams of US military engineers equipped with chainsaws. Each team was escorted by a 30-man security platoon of the Joint Security Force, armed with pistols and axe handles. (laughs) Axe handles? Well, they're not supposed to have uh, long arms. Yeah, but they're not That's supposed not. to fucking beat US soldiers to death in the fucking joint security area. Like, God. All bets are off. Mm. At the same time, a second team armed explosive charges placed on Freedom Bridge, which is the bridge from the JSA into South Korea, and aimed the 165mm main gun of an M728 <laughs> combat tank at the centre of the bridge. <laughs> Just to be sure out. that if they needed to blow it, it was going down. 
it, it's still going, Brad. <laughs> Additionally, a 64-man task force from the South Korean 1st Special Forces Brigade, made up entirely of Taekwondo experts, was stationed in front of the Bridge of No Return and armed with M16 rifles and M79 grenade launchers and M18 claymores strapped to their chests. Why do they have to be Taekwondo experts if they got all these weapons? <laughs> Because they wanted to, they wanted to claim that they were going in there for hand to hand combat. But then when they got in there, they started handing out rifles and grenade launchers. Wait, why did you strap the claymores to your chest? That's fucking. That's metal as. In in response, North Korea deployed two hundred troops armed with assault rifles, and set up several stationary machine guns pointing towards the UNC operation. Upon seeing this. Lieutenant Colonel Vieira, who was commanding the whole thing, put an order out over the radio. Seconds later, 20 US utility helicopters full of infantry (laughs) crested the horizon, followed by seven Cobra attack helicopters (laughs) and seven nuclear-armed B-52 bombers escorted by US F-4 Phantoms and South Korean F-5 and F-86 fighter jets. <laughs> Did he set up, like, these big speakers to play right in the back? Oh, please. Now, this was just what the North Koreans could see from where they were. In addition to the 813-man force in front of them, at the edge of the DMZ, the US 2nd Battalion 71st Air Defense Regiment were waiting with improved Hawk surface-to-air missiles and additional tanks. Oh, my God. The entire US force in South Korea had been elevated to DEFCON 3, whose numbers were bolstered by 12,000 troops sent from a US base in Okinawa, Japan, including 1,800 Marines. Nearby Taegu Air Base's runway was full with F-111 bombers and F-4C and F-4D fighter jets, all deployed from various US Air Force bases. US Air Force Yokota Air Base in Japan had a dozen C-130 gunships on the runway ready for takeoff. (laughs) And the USS Midway, one of the largest aircraft carriers in the world, was stationed just off the coast. (laughs) To cut down a fucking tree. Five minutes after Task Force Vieira had set up in the JSA... The UNC notified the North Koreans that a UN work party had entered the JSA to peacefully finish the work left unfinished. The tree was reduced to a 20-foot tall stump, left deliberately as a final fuck you to the North Koreans who, unsurprisingly, decided not to launch a (laughs) counterattack. Fuck. How stressed out would you be if you were cutting down that tree? <laughs> You're like, World War Three could start right now, just because yeah. I'm fucking swearing away on this tree. tree. Oh my god. How stressed out would you be if you were the fucking Taekwondo experts sat at the base of the bridge? 200 soldiers in front of you with a claymore strapped to your chest. No, the the Taekwondo guys sat stood at the end of the bridge and shouted taunts at the North Koreans. <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> they were begging them to come across. That was... That, oh, fucking Come set metal. this claymore off, motherfucker, I dare you. <laughs> Give us a hug. <laughs> Oh, good 
Good God, that is the ultimate pissing competition right there. Yeah. Hang on, is it that they called it Operation Paul Bunyan? Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was a giant lumberjack. I love that. <laughs> what about the contact Japan and say, hey, we need you to have troops ready to roll, you know, plans on the runways, everything like this. And they're like, okay, what's happening here? We're cutting down a fucking tree in the DMZ. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding? They had B-52s with nukes in them flying above (laughs) the fucking... (laughs) That tree probably cost like $20 million to chop down. That's what I was about to say. How many taxpayer dollars Uh, were spent on cutting down that tree? Good God. Why don't just go in at night and cut the fucking thing down? (laughs) (laughs) No, they'd been in the night before disguised as North Korean soldiers to scope the area out. And make sure that it was all clear to cut the tree down. That's just insane. <laughs> I love brilliant. it. I lo- that's the kind of shit you get with North Korea. That's yeah. the kind of shit you get with the US. Like yeah. the, the United States was so disrespected that two of their soldiers were killed for for no reason. So yeah. they were like, "We would love to just fucking glass one of their cities, <laughs> yeah. but." Maybe a better thing to do is just to, like, swing our dicks in front of them and just, like, mm. tell them, we could glass your whole country right now if we wanted to. But Well, this is the thing. Um, this was, like, the, the lesser of two evils plans. Henry Kissinger wanted North Korean blood. Two for two, like, <laughs> eye for an eye, right? Yeah. Like, killed two no, of them? No. <laughs> he wanted to fucking massacre them. <laughs> Kissinger yeah. wanted to kill, like, everyone in the Kiss- JSA. Kissinger yeah. wanted to be airdropped in himself to beat two <laughs> Koreans to death personally. Claymore me. Oh, <laughs> uh, fuck me. Well, uh, I'm, I'm glad they didn't uh, kill any North Koreans, because yeah. I think this uh, this decreased tensions while also being hilarious. So. <laughs> it was very funny. Mm. Yeah. Good God. But yeah, I, uh, I uh, didn't know that the... Conference of Not Allowed Nations was a thing, and uh, I just think it's really funny. It sort of <laughs> reminded me, I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you guys watched Captain Planet when you were kids, but yeah, yeah, at, yeah. at one point in Captain Planet, all the bad guys teamed up and made their own Captain Planet. It was like Captain Pollution or something, and it just reminded me of that. It was just like a <laughs> shitty knockoff version of the UN. <laughs> Oh, it's like a dollar store UN. Okay, I like it. Yeah. I can't remember. What, I can't remember what it's called, but there's one for like the Arab nations as well. It's like the Alliance of Arab Nations or something yeah. like that, and they're always getting together and scheming against Israel, of course. <laughs> but um, yeah, like it's it's funny that they pass something in the coalition of non-aligned nations or whatever, which is, as you said, a more impotent version of the <laughs> United Nations because the United Nations are like. We're passing a resolution that we think this is terrible, and it's like, <laughs> okay, cool, yeah, go fuck you. yourself. I don't give a shit about your fucking resolutions. What are you going to do about it, bitch? Like, Ugh. fuck yeah. the UN. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they they passed a motion to remove all US forces from Korea and dissolve the UNC. <laughs> They just have absolutely no authority to do either of those things. <laughs> it's like it's like if the three of us now voted to I don't know oust the U.S. government, like you know exactly. And we it's say yeah, we've, we've voted on it. motion passed, and then yes, that's it. I would Nothing like to submit a put it to a vote, please, to dissolve the country of North Korea. Can I get someone to second me? <laughs> yeah, I'll go in on that. No. 
<laughs> Nay. Uh, Lachlan, Lachlan's got veto power. This, this That's is right. Bad. That's right. <laughs> we have two thirds majority here. <laughs> Just uh, a couple of things. Um, I wrote joint security area in there a few times and it just kept reminding me of the Korean film joint security yes, area, which is movie. really fucking good. Really uh, would good. recommend. And two, one thing I did want to talk about, but it's hard to find a good amount of information on it is that the best crystal meth in the world comes from North Korea. Best. Best. Highest quality crystal meth in the world mm. because it is Nine out of 10 manufactured. Nine recommend. <laughs> It is manufactured by the government, and so, so they don't have to scavenge their ingredients from, like, industrial chemicals and shit. They just what? have the what? actual ingredients that they what? need in their pure forms. What? Can't afford to feed people with their well, okay, so, no, this They sell this. So, they sell it to yeah, other countries. They sell it on the Chinese and Russian black markets to help fund uh, the running of their government, and they also use it, like, they give it to their people because one, it helps you work more hours and two, it suppresses appetite. Wow. Mm, it's very common to give uh, crystal meth as a gift at the holidays in North Korea. Are you serious? That's wow. some fucking shit right there. Yeah. Holy jeez. But that what I just said there is about all the information I have, so I, I couldn't wow. do a full uh, segment on it. Hey, would you prefer this bowl of rice or some tasty, tasty crystal meth? <laughs> Give the um, gift of love. You, Give meth. I, I've watched a lot of Korean films in my time, and I think mm-hmm. JSA is probably one of my all-time favorite mm. Korean movies. Um, it's fucking amazing. And I haven't seen it for a while, and I was thinking I should do a Morgan's movie review on JSA, so I tried to watch it but shannon didn't want to watch it so friday night shannon was like i don't want to watch it you know i'm busy these days got a full-time job you know working hard don't have time to watch movies like i did in the old days so i said to shannon on friday night you know what you've been wanting to watch the notebook for a while let's watch the notebook and i watched the notebook with her on friday night and then on saturday night she was like oh what do you want to watch tonight and i was like jsa let's watch a korean movie and she was like no i don't really feel like it and i was like Fuck. Yeah, fuck! Fuck! What's the notebook for nothing? <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> she read you like a notebook, motherfucker. Yeah, she fucking played you. Uh, I was always, I was always going to do a um, uh, Morgan's movie review on the notebook, but mm. um, I didn't want to do that to you guys. But yeah, thanks. Yeah. I appreciate it. Probably I appreciate it. Yeah. Ever done. Oh, fucked. I was also considering if I had time as well, I might have done a. Um, Morgan's movie review on the uh, North Korean ripoff of Godzilla. Oh, really? Wow. Yes. Directed by a South Korean director and starring <laughs> a South Korean actress because they were both kidnapped <laughs> and forced to make this movie. Fantastic. Holy shit. <laughs> I didn't know that this this fucking movie exists. I need to see it now. There's six. Actually, I should have done a Brad's Power Rankings on my top five. Speaking of Brad's Power Rankings. Yeah, let's get, let's get to it. Brad's Power Rankings. We are running over time. Yeah, we are. We have some serious material to cover here. So I'll just uh, smash through this. Um, 
Top five execution methods used in North Korea. <laughs> oh, All right. We're back to the classics. <laughs> yes, we are. So, uh, yeah, top five, obviously. Um, starting five, is this, one. Is this top five from the executioner's point of view or from the executee's point oh, of this view? This is uh, just probably for their heinousness, I would <laughs> From a third party viewer. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> the Kim is probably enjoying it, but the executionee yeah, okay. is not. Yeah. Um, so, number five. I like to call a woman's touch. The Kims <laughs> have always been a tight-knit family, so much so that when Kim Jong-un executed her husband in 2014, he ordered his auntie, Kim Kyung-kwe, be poisoned for complaining about his method of execution. Just for good measure, she, he had her remaining seven family members killed, so he didn't happen to listen to them bitch as well. Whoa. Number four, I like to call... The dogs. Speaking of dear <laughs> Auntie Kim Kyung Pui, what did happen to her husband, Jang Song Thaek? Well, I'll tell you what. He was tried for corruption, treason, and living a decadent capitalist lifestyle for being <laughs> shot and fed to starving dogs. Oh, God. Little bit hypocritical there, don't you think? Kim? I was about to say, imagine being <laughs> accused of living a decadent lifestyle by one of the Kims. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, number three, Scorched Earth. Oh, no. The Kim literally went Scorched Earth on Oh Sang Hong's ass in 2014 when he ordered that he be executed by a flamethrower. Oh. <laughs> what crime could warrant a punishment like this? Well, following Jang Song Fake's orders, yes, the dude just <laughs> did his job and got Korean barbecued for it. <laughs> number two, I like to call the Bond villain. Kim Jong-un is literally a James Bond villain, in case you haven't noticed. The Kim had mm. one of his general's arms and torso slashed before throwing him into a tank full of piranhas to oh. meet his grizzly oh. end. No oh way. My God. The general was piranha 3D'd for his alleged involvement <laughs> in a coup. And oh, my God. The number one method of execution is, I like to call, make the pawn, get the scorn. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> We've all watched it. Shit, some of us have made it. Amateur or not, but being shot by an anti-aircraft gun was the fate of 11 <laughs> musicians who Kim Jong-un deemed to have made a pornographic video. Critics are the worst these days. <laughs> they also, he also ran over their remains with a tank just oh to God. really drive the point home. Fucking hell. That is my Trim. power rankings there. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Fucking the insane. aircraft missiles used on humans is just hilarious. Yeah, I was about to it's say, didn't the way he shoot sounds. his uncle with an anti-aircraft gun as well or something? Yeah, uh, he had a bit that's of a That's the story food. that he... Yeah, that's the story that his uncle fell asleep during a meeting. Mm. So he yeah, put him out in the right. field and shot him with an anti-aircraft missile. <laughs> well, with these musicians, he took them to a football arena and lined them all up and shot them with an anti-aircraft gun. Good Lord. Jesus. And then rolled tanks in there just to roll over the remains. What was left? Anyway. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Gotta make an afternoon uh, out of it. It's pretty quick. <laughs> Some if people have got too much time on their hands. Uh, but yeah, number two, the the piranhas. I was just like, that's literally that's, a James Bond villain move. You've got to be planning that in advance. Yeah. Well, yeah, you've, you've got to get go, the tank. Right. You got to get the piranhas. That's the thing. You got to be like, I want to kill this guy. But I want it to be special. Someone yeah. go get some piranhas. Or do you think? <laughs> do you think he got a piranha tank and then he was like, I got to test this baby out. 
So he just came up with some <laughs> some scheme to kill this guy. That's the other thing as well. Every single one of those people that you just mentioned that got killed didn't actually do anything wrong. It was just no. some perceived slot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like his, his uncle for, for living a decadent capitalist lifestyle. Like, yeah. <laughs> living the American that's, dream. That's, that's the Jesus. dream. To be fair, he did lose three million pounds in a Chinese casino or something like that, but that's pocket change for that. Uh, so. Yeah, that's yeah. nothing. Yeah. And I mean, he was married to his, his like birth auntie. It wasn't like he married into the family. So he was, yeah. He wasn't a Kim himself, but he was close to him. Mm. Yeah. Fucking mental. Yes. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, there was also a bizarre assassination in um, a Malaysian airport. Did you hear about that, Brett? Yeah, I did. Um, I did find. It, I didn't think it would fit the power rankings per se, but I yeah. was thinking if we did go back and do you know some North Korea stuff, or maybe even in a wild card, I was actually going to cover that, or even um, the erection of the world's largest flagpole. I think that's a bit of a titillizing one. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. Oh, one. that was good. Yeah. Um, Okay, so I won't I won't spoil that, but the assassination that took place in the Malaysian airport, the two women that did it are currently free because they were convinced that they were taking part in a reality TV prank show. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> when they killed a man. Awesome. Right. Anyway, there's so much crazy shit about North Korea that we couldn't cover at all in one episode. They've got the USS. Pueblo accident, the uh, incident, sorry, the Blue House raid, all the assassination attempts between the North and the South, the tunnels dug under the DMZ, the DMZ, Kim Jong-il kidnapping an actress and a director from South Korea, as I alluded to, forcing them to make movies in North Korea. When Kim Jong-il blew up a South Korean commercial plane, uh, the concentration camps, the city of Kaesong, the caste system and social engineering that goes on in North Korea, the mass games, the military parades what it's like to travel there, the whole Dennis Rodman thing, and, of course, the meetings with Donald Trump. So this would be a very deep mine for us to go back to if anybody begs us to do North Korea. <laughs> I'll say, I'll say I would, room, room 39, uh, there's room 35 and room 38, I think. Uh, he got the Chinese and Russian labor camps. It's Yeah, there's shitloads. But yes. ha- you said Dennis Rodman. We have spoken about Dennis Rodman. I spoke about Dennis Rodman in. You spoke about Dennis Rodman, the man. Well, not specifically not, not the man. <laughs> spoke about as much involvement in North Korea as is documented. But uh, yeah, true, true, yeah, true. All right. Well, let's end this thing. Okay. We are right, well, well uh, over time. Yeah, we are way over time. Um, this is good fun, though. Yeah. I'm glad. Well, I mean, Morgan brought us down. We brought it back up. So, <laughs> dear dear listener, if you're listening to this and the episode is not four and a half hours long, then we have cut out a lot of information. Um, so, <laughs> but on that note, thank you for listening. Uh, please, as Morgan said at the top, share these episodes with your friends. That'd help us out a lot. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye.